0: Hello and welcome to the Strength to Be Human podcast with your host, author and playwright Mark Antony Rossi. In our fourth year, we continue to explore the meaning of being an artist in an ever changing digital world. Now, without further ado, here is your host. Hi folks, and welcome back to Strength to be Human. I'm your host, Mark Anthony Rossi, poet and playwright. This is episode 249, Sacred Art or Propaganda. Now, I've been thinking about this show for a while, and uh, to the point where, besides thinking about it, besides doing some research on it, I actually made contact with a, a more modern uh, sacred artist and this is somebody that uh, is doing religious uh, paintings um, similar to the older style but they have a, a little bit of a modern twist to it but still it, it has that, that classic style to it and I, I posed, posed to, to her uh, some questions uh, about you know, the the art and, and what it means in the modern world and what she gets out of it, what other people get out of it, why is it so enormously expensive, etc etc I had questions. And uh, she didn't agree to the interview. In fact, she didn't want to answer any of the questions at all. She just came back with, uh, you know, just a, a religious justification and that's it. And, and I'm not saying this in protest. I'm not saying this to rebuke her. And I'm certainly not saying this because... Uh, her answers are not legitimate. They're fine. I mean, you could do art for whatever reason you want. I, I can't contest that, and I won't. But I tell you right now, if you're a free individual on this planet, I don't care what government or country you're from, you're a free individual. The only way you could stay a free individual is if you are willing to... To question things. And that means anything. Question science, question government, question religion, question the frog that's jumping on your your friggin' sidewalk, okay? You have to because if you don't, not only do you miss the chance of understanding something, you miss the chance of really getting a full scope of the truth. You you really don't exercise your freedom. In fact you start curtailing your own freedom when you don't question things because then you wind up falling in line with whatever prevailing wisdom that's out there, whatever people are saying that hasn't been tested because that's really what questions are. In their own way they're sort of a test. Right, what's this about? Why should I accept this? Why should I go that direction? Why should I go that direction? Why should I build my life or my mind or my work or whatever around what you're doing or what you're saying? That's why you have to ask these kind of questions. So we have a show here about, about sacred art. Is it art? Is it sacred? Or is it propaganda? So that's what we're going to be talking about over here, all right? And I and I think if, if anyone really knows me already from watching the or listening to the show and, you know, just reading of the things that I've written over the years I'm, I'm somebody that has a, a real a religious connection so I'm somebody that would be generally religious I don't go around preaching everybody and trying to convert people and beating people over the head that's not who I am but I do have an attachment to it and it is something that's important to me so if I'm willing to question things like this well then we shall sure all question things like this because it's, it's necessary that's how I feel uh, you can gain a wider perspective, how you might be able to get a, a better nugget of truth. And maybe, just maybe, you know, if you're a believer in whatever faith it is that you believe in, you, maybe it deepens your faith because you have certain questions, because you're all willing to go on a, a bit of a discovery in a, in, a, in a journey. And I I wouldn't want to be part of any kind of religion that didn't, at Least encourage it because you need to have them if, especially if you believe in a a god or um, an intelligent designer or uh, a cosmic architect or whatever new words are coming up for you know, somebody that, that, that created all this. You know, if that person went into it or that creature or god or whatever you want to call it has all this infinite wisdom and knowledge and power, well, why shouldn't I question all of that because I don't have any of that? So, and in and, and my own you know limited finance sense I should be questioning it and so should you I say all right so let's let's talk about the general definition of what sacred artwork is all right and here it is I'll give it to you straight from the book all right religious art is artistic imagery using religious inspiration and motifs and is often intended to uplift the mind to the spiritual sacred art involves the ritual and cultic practices and practical and operative aspects of the path to spiritual realization within the artist's religious tradition. I know a whole lot of sentences for you know I'm doing something to um, make a religious connection or possibly to create a certain religious devotion or like the other part of the show's title Is it just to promote a message? Is it pretty much just a, you know, a sly way of of propaganda? Because that's another legitimate way of looking at it. And other people who are possibly uh, not believers in the spiritual, or maybe just simply cynics, uh, are going to have that viewpoint. And it's not exactly illegitimate. And I'll I'll give them that, right. Okay. Now, I wrote down a few of... At least some of the main points I want to make in the show. I'm not going to call it sections like I normally do because it's not really. We're going to be jumping around a little bit. But I do have some main points that I'm going to investigate. All right? First thing is, is art merely because it depicts people or places through artistic mediums? Is that really just what art is? So we're going to talk about that. Is it sacred because its subject matter is concentrated on a religious person or event? Okay, we need to look into that. Is it propaganda masquerading as art to promote a religious viewpoint? And one of the questions I posed to that that young lady I was talking about, which I think in her own uh, gracious way probably was offended. (laughs) <laughs> or maybe she just not. Or maybe she just not used to people asking questions, which happens a lot. If you make religious art for a religious crowd and a religious uh, establishment pays you a lot of money for it, I mean, nobody's really asking questions, which, in my point of view, is not a good thing because they should be answered and they should be asked. All right, how does a sacred artist stay an artist and not become a passionate disciple? Or is it possible to be both? We need to talk about that as well. So I think there's four points there we really want to talk about, all right? All right. All right. Is it art because it depicts people or places to artistic mediums? Yeah, to a certain extent, it is. I'm not saying that, you know, every, you know... Maybe we put out there with a, with a crayon set that, you know, scratches a couple of lines across a piece of paper. We're going to call that art, okay? I'm, I'm not, well, No one's saying that because, you know, it is an artistic medium, uh, the wax crayon, believe it or not. And, um, but no, you're still trying to construct to do something that is comprehensible, right? And if religious art is anything, it's really tends to be comprehensible, you don't find a lot of religious art that's vague, which, of course, gives to the other argument of people who think it's just propaganda, because if it didn't have a precise viewpoint, it's kind of hard to promote a message, because the message can't be that messy, otherwise you just don't really get across what you're trying to do. So, you can see why some people would look at it that way. All right and and then we'll we'll continue with that as we go along with the show how much validity is to that but it is a legitimate viewpoint to look at at first it really is all right so next is it sacred because its matter is concentrated on a religious person or event well I don't know about the word sacred on all this. I mean, you could be an artist and do things that are religious, whether it's writing or, or painting or, you know, even the expensive, uh, you know, pastime of, of, uh, of stained glass and how that popular that is in many of the older churches and how expensive it is and the labor, you know, time-consuming and all of that. But does that make you sacred? I mean, is it not possible that, you know, you do... This, this, this depiction of angels, uh, sell it for a lot of money, and then go to the bar and drink and pick up three girls. I mean, <laughs> I don't know how doing it makes you sacred. So I'm not sure if that's what they mean by the definition of sacred, or they're just saying that the art itself, because of what it's trying to say or do, is, is become a sacred object, something that's venerated, something that's, you know, I wouldn't say worship, because that's way too strong of a word, but I would say at least, uh, you know, uh, religiously admired. <laughs> that would that'd be the best way of putting it. Uh, and, you know, to answer that, yeah, pretty. I, I'd, I'd say uh, that's close to it. I, I wouldn't say, maybe just because of age and all of that, but, you know, you find another dead ski scroll. I think it's possibly a good thing to say this is something sacred because of how, It has the original writings of the Bible and how old it is and all the test of time and, you know, all of that. Where, you know, some guy four days ago, you know, draws a a wonderful sketch of a a modern virgin when he figures what Christ looked like and then fills it in with some some charcoal or something. That's a great um, sketch and it it has some real religious significance. But, um, I don't know, call me biased, but uh, I, I can't wrap my heart or my head around... Um, that sketch is now sacred. I'm not saying that uh, because it's not sacred, it doesn't have religious significance, and I'm certainly not saying that uh, we need to now throw darts at it or burn it or, you know, put some lemonade on it or something or curse at it or just do things that are, you know, disrespectful or, you know, bordering on blasphemy. I'm not saying that at all, but I don't know if that really constitutes something being sacred. I heard somebody say one time, and I know there's some real there's some real truth to this, even if it sounds convenient. Um, one person's terrorist group is another person's freedom fighters. But also, they also say too that you give a cult a hundred years, and now it becomes a religion. And I'm not trying to pick on anybody here, but you know, the Mormon religion when it started off, people thought it was a crazy cult. You know, over a hundred years later, now it's an established religion. People take it seriously. No one really calls it that any longer. So over the passage of time, and 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 and, and of course, it's creating a, a bigger congregation and, and 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 contributing to society and all of that. You know, it becomes more over the course of time than it did before. Uh, it, I would say now it's closer to a sacred religion than it would have been. You know, a mysterious uh, cult more than a hundred years ago. So, I think that's the way we, we we continue to judge things by 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 its age and, and, and its duration and all of that. I, I think it's fair to say that. So, not everything out there, you know, is is, is sacred. And I'm, I'm I'll tell you the truth, I'm hesitant to saying anything that's sacred. That's that that's that stained glass. I, I love stained glass. I think it's beautiful. I know, that definitely it's art from the work and and the beauty of it all. Don't get me wrong, but sacred, I'm not sure about all that some of its stuff has been redone over the last 50 or 100 years that doesn't really make it you know it's sacred you know but when it's inside a church and people are praying and having a religious ceremony does it become sacred or does it become part of that moment yeah it may be sure i don't have a problem with that if it's five or six hundred years old or something you know does that make it sacred i don't know it's it's really it's really are on something like that being sacred. Does it have religious significance? Yes. Does it have artistic significance? Definitely. Sacred? I don't know. It's still, it's still a borderline subject here that we'll continue to talk about. In many ways on this show, I'm not always going to have the clearest direction or even the clearest answer, and I'm not really there on the show here to point this exact way for you. You're going to have to make up your own mind if you want to even make it up at all. It might just be a show you listen to and... Have a bag of gummy bears and go to bed, you know, and that's fine. But you might want to also give some thoughts to this. Like I've been giving some thoughts to it. All right. Is it propaganda masquerading as art to promote a religious viewpoint? Well, there's there's some there's some credence to that. There's certainly some evidence. We've seen plenty plenty of masterworks throughout the years from artists that. There isn't any real clear viewpoint. I mean, you think about it. Most of Picasso's cubist art, what the hell does that means? It's interesting. In many ways, it can even be uh, scary and beautiful and strange at the same time. Someone once told me that they could see a penis on top of somebody's head or something. What the heck? Um, obviously, there's no message really trying to be promoted there because it's so confusing and so mixed up and so vague. I mean, we probably get more, more of a message from surrealism and melting clocks and stuff than we did we get with anything else from, from the Cubist sense. So when you notice, and I'm telling you, it's close to 100%, if not 100%, of all religious arts have an, uh, an exact viewpoint. Either um, copying something from the Bible or a, a certain event, you know, Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, or Jesus on the cross, or Mary praying at the cross because her son's up there dying, or John the Baptist, you know, about to get his head cut off, or you know, Pontius Pilate being a jerk. You know, all of that. It has a viewpoint, and therefore, it is promoting something. It's promoting a uh, uh, message in the story that we've heard in the Bible or in other places, and, and in many ways, it, it is promoting. Uh, a, a key uh, a religious element inside a religion, you know, whether that be the crucifixion of Christ or the sacrifice of someone for other people's faults because the person is, is considered uh, faultless. Uh, remember that um, he was uh, pretty much shanghaied into a, a court and, and, and wind up executing, but it was never, ever, ever clear that he committed a crime. Not even the the Roman um, historians of Thesis, uh, mentioned that he committed a crime. It, it's pretty clear that, you know, it was done as a political uh, favorite to another group to make them happy because they were upset that he was preaching something that was, uh, I guess you could say, a contrary religion to theirs. But uh, I don't think he was ever guilty of anything. I mean, made no sense. I mean, he made it pretty clear, you know, Give to Caesar what is Caesar, so he, he was not doing anything that was against Rome. Certainly, wasn't robbing or stealing from anybody. wasn't killing anybody. Just preaching what he felt was uh, uh, religious messages to people, and th- that eventually formed a new religion. That was it. That's pretty much what he was killed for, at least in in the Roman view. And they just did it for politics, unfortunately. But again a Clear message from this kind of work. So when people say it's, it's Mark, it's just public relations, Mark, it's just propaganda, Mark, it's just promotion of, a, of, a, of an idea or a dogma or an ideology or a theology, it's hard for me to run away from that. Even if I find that the motives behind people saying that are a, a lot more than just cynical, they just you know, being nasty and maybe even just anti-religious, and I never like that because it's okay to not be part of a religion. It's okay to not even believe in a religion. It, to me, it's never been okay to to go around mocking it. I don't mock people who don't religion, don't believe in a god and religion because I think that's wrong. They have they have a, a legitimate entitlement to their beliefs, and God knows to forgive the expression. Uh, the world can be so complicated and so difficult and many times so dark it's not hard for me to understand why people wouldn't believe in a God. This is not. I see I see the logic in it but I always say that I couldn't count on the logic if I wanted to believe in God because God is about going beyond the logic to reach out for something you know in a matter of faith. When you don't have all the evidence. You don't have all the pieces. It doesn't always seem like it comes together. But I I never find it to be a difficult thing. It's never been a big stretch for me. Because you think about love. What is love? Love is not logic. Love is not that tangible. Love seems to be often fleeting. It's there for a while and then it's gone. We know how powerful love is. So we know it's real. But we can't quantify it in any kind of scientific way. Yeah, people still believe in it. That's what I often tell atheists all the time. You believe in love, but you don't believe in God. I don't really understand that kind of thinking. Because in the end, you are still clinging to a, a version of faith when you believe in love. That's what you're doing. And that's what a, a basic person who believes in, in God does. So, I don't like the anti-religious thing of it. But ultimately... I accept that there is a valid viewpoint that sometimes uh, sacred art, religious art, whatever we want to call it, you know, can be considered a, a propaganda, a promotional tool, sure. I, I don't really think that's a bad thing, per se. Plenty of other things have had their promotional aspects I mean you think about a play it has to be acted out it has a big audience and it goes night after night after night I mean that in itself is a sort of a, a form of a, of a propaganda sure it might be a, a thematic and dramatic and all that but still so there are plenty of other things that are used in a promotional way it doesn't necessarily mean that it's, it's a bad thing so I don't feel that, that that's really too too strange or unusual about that so yeah, I, I accept it as uh, that it is legitimate. I don't get too dark on that whole thing, but yes, I, I'd say that there's there's some definite uh, points for that. Okay, um, the is a sacred artist staying an artist, or they do become a passionate disciple? It's a it's a good question because when I was talking with that person, it's obvious you know that they didn't see too much difference between their artistic work and their religious faith. And I tell people all the time, even as somebody who is pretty much a religious person, I tell people as writers all the time, your job is to write. The religion, the politics, to whatever message you have is secondary at best. If you're not getting the writing down, if you're not figuring out a way to communicate or to make a connection, if you're not putting things together in an interesting and, and valid structural form, you know, if you're not using words clever and, and, and wisely, if it doesn't sound artistic or poetic, dramatic, whatever you want to call that you're not doing your job as an artist anyway. You could forget about all the other stuff you're talking about or want to talk about. Because I get that stuff all the time and I have to reject most of it because it's super heavy on message and all the rest of it is clunky and silly. I'm sorry, but I'm a writer and I'm an artist and as an editor, that's how I have to viewpoint. That's how I have to view it. I have to. Otherwise, I can't be those things. Do I privately say wow i really wish they didn't have to get rid of that poem it's a it's a positive interesting message but yeah it has to go because it's just written badly and then that person will probably get offended oh they don't like religion i don't like this i'm like no, no i don't like bad writing okay i don't care if you want to talk about the devil just write it good at least okay that's your job all right and yeah, I publish a poem about the devil. Doesn't mean that I like the devil. Doesn't mean I'm promoting it. I don't even know if the person who wrote about it is promoting it. But if it's into artistic and it's interesting and it's not anything that's going to blaspheme or you know be violent against uh, people in some kind of harsh manner, yeah, I'll go with it. You know, I'm still intellectual, still a writer, still an artist. This stuff is still important, but. Like I said about that person, if you can't see the light between the religious conviction and the artistic expression, that's, to me, that's a problem. Because, you know, in the end, how do you make the best decisions artistically when you're so trapped up in that? I mean, are you getting to the point now where you got to pray about what the next pen stroke is going to be, or the next brush stroke, or the next imagery, or... You know, let me pray to get this right, because if I don't get this right, I've sinned against God, or I've done something bad, or I have now guilt. See, it's a lot of unnecessary stress. You know, it's a lot of useless, uh, you know, anguish inside, really. And you might be committing a religious sin that really isn't a religious sin at all. I don't like the way they came out, so... I don't know if God's angry at me. I mean, that, that's how that could come. You could, see the, you could take it to the logical extreme that, that that's, that's not what we're supposed to be doing. Those kind of feelings and those kind of questions, they become ridiculous. You still need to be an artist first, and then you could be that religious person or religious uh, subject matter second. You still have to make sure that you're doing your job as an artist first because if you do your job as an artist first, then you're going to have the best work possible and make the best connection. So, if your whole goal is to make some kind of message connection about a religious ideal or concept or dogma or whatever you want to call it, well, that's the best way to doing it. You know, in the end, I don't know how anyone can be true to their partner, whether their partner is a wife or a friend or even God if you can't be true to yourself that's why being an artist is the most important thing compared to all those other things because once you're true to that you're true to yourself once you're true to yourself you will know how to be true to your partner to your brother to your friend to your pastor to your priest to your rabbi to god even that's how otherwise you're living in a strange world that doesn't make a whole lot of sense has no real moral consistency I always tell God the truth, but I lie to myself all the time. I mean, you're asking to, to ruin your your own convictions in life. You're asking to keep yourself on a, on, a, on a weird path that is not normal. You're asking for, like the old Baptist ministers say, you're asking for temptation. And when you ask for it, boy, oh boy, it'll come your way. And you won't like the results. You have some some creature in some world laughing because they see their consistency. They see a, a, a version of hypocrisy because that's what it is in the end, really. You can't lie to yourself and be true to somebody else. You simply can't. It doesn't work that way. Something is going to give. So you have to remain artistically consistent. That's how you get your job done. That's how you get your message out. Whether your message is, you know, about some kind of a literary idea or if it's about some ancient message of hope and grandeur and in the, in the cosmos because we have a, a heavenly creator. That's how you do that. Alright, now let's talk about some other interesting things here, okay? Some things I didn't realize, okay? This little kind of little faction in over here, I didn't know this. That it turns out that the reason why red glass inside of stained glass is so expensive is because it uses oxidized gold to achieve its color. I am like, wow! I looked down, like you gotta be kidding me! Really red? Who would have thought that? So I thought that was uh, that was pretty uh, pretty amazing. I mean, like, wow. I mean, I, I just, it's incredible. Now, remember, we have had some early masters, and many a times in, in the, the average public life, in terms of, uh, of imagery and uh, iconography that we know that's out there, that, that people find, you know, other than the Mona Lisa, you know, or, or David, you know, the statue, we know of uh, Da Vinci's um, The Last Supper. And of course, we're all very, very familiar with Michelangelo's ceiling, when he painted the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. Okay? Now, the interesting facts about some of that is, and I don't say this to malign these people, and I'm not saying this to to cast uh, doubt on their own convictions, but quite frankly, because we don't really know Michelangelo. A lot of his life was private. We know from looking at the Statue of David, though, the guy was definitely gay, okay? But we don't know anything more than that. It's been said that his journals are are kept secret in in, in the Vatican uh, archives. We don't know what he was thinking. So we don't know how religious or how not religious he was. We do know that he had a commission from the church. He made a bunch of money doing it. And he was gay. And they pretty much knew that and didn't care. We also know that Da Vinci was gay. If you ever look at Da Vinci's uh, journals that was published, you'll, you'll see pages where the guy's literally drawing penises. This is before he's drawing helicopters and tanks and bridges, flying uh, you know wings and then penises. So uh, definitely gay. Because I can tell you right now, um, 57 years later, I've never drew a penis uh, of of the sort that he's talking about. I mean, you did the playful ones in school to make fun of people, but beyond that, you know. So, definitely gay. So, again, he did The Last Supper. A classic painting and in a classic uh, form. There was nothing tremendously, uh, um, I guess you could say, um, controversial going on there. He didn't take it in his own spin. It's... It's the, the biblical depiction of the, of the Last Supper, a masterful work. And some of the most important iconic uh, imagery from religions It turned out to be people who were not religious or, or who were gay or who, who would normally have been like, beaten up by religion, uh, unfortunately, because in many instances it, it had become uh, anti-gay. We definitely know uh, that um, Da Vinci was not a religious person in that classical sense, not at all. Probably closer to being uh, an atheist. We know that from his own writings and, and his ideas. So, so it's unru- it's it's it's, it's bionically ironic, definitely ironic, how you can uh, you can see people doing this kind of work and then still wonder. That's why you, when you um, you don't want to call somebody a sacred artist sometimes because you don't know how sacred how how, how sacred their their life is is in many aspects of that, because they could just be a regular people like all the rest of us, you know? So I I, I don't know if we misuse that term a little bit too much. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Um, I, I've, I've noticed some other things in other religious art that I'd ought to be interested to point out because I really do find it uh, fascinating, okay? Um, I, I, when I learned this, I was like, man, from T- Tibetan Buddhist art, okay? It has a lot of you know, the, the, the typical Buddhist uh, figures. Usually, you know, sitting in the lotus position. But it also has a lot of what they call mandalas. Which, if you don't know this, it's the circles within the circles. And um, it means circle in Sanskrit. So that, that's an actual word that, that, that means something. That's not just called that. It's, it's called that because that literally means circle in, in Sanskrit. And I found it interesting that just from a Western point of view, looking at something that's Eastern, that none of the Tibetan Buddhist art, and I mean none of it, was never signed by the artist. Different artists were doing it, they never signed it. Because to them, it felt so important, so special, so connecting to the meditation and and the things that they believed in in that uh, religion, that uh, they didn't feel at all comfortable to sign it. Where... Our Western point of view is one of, of, of obviously of individualism, which means uh, that's why you want to sign something because the individual, uh, Mark Rossi or whoever you know created this. Uh, uh, the freedom, you know, hey, you know, I did this. I want you to know about it. And, and of course, uh, because we are all in the Western canon of thinking of of personal and private property, so those things are part of our own psychological and social makeup, so we tend to sign our art, and they simply do not at all, so it's just, I I found that really, really fascinating, I thought that was extremely interesting, so I like that a lot, I I also learned something, and I don't know why, I I, should have noticed this all these years, but I didn't, Islamic art. Because Islam is really, really against graven images, you know, because of the Ten Commandments, you should have no idols before me. You see almost no artistic depictions and art Islamic art of human figures. Uh, there's a couple, and it was normally during the Byzantine time that they did a couple of Muhammad ones, that was it. And most of the time they've done some of the Islamic angels, but that's really about it. It's a very few even between that. It's almost always about geometrical shapes you'll see that in the mocks you'll see it in the uh, some of the older the, the holy holy qurans they'll be illuminated in that way with different types of geographical shapes but that's it that's that's the extent of its art because it doesn't want to uh, have the, the personal image in there that that they felt was was be uh, a mockery to uh, to Islam and and to God so I, I just don't want it I never realized that. You'll also notice, if you've ever been to Turkey before, or if you ever noticed anything, I've never been to Iran, but I've been to Turkey, so I saw the Turkish rugs. And the two greatest rug makers in the world are Turkey and Iran. In fact, both of them make a good currency from selling them. You know, a good Turkish rug could, could, could run you $10,000. People leave it in the house, stay on the floor. I mean, it's there for like decades, generations. Sometimes it will give you a rug from their grandfather. I mean, really. You could be getting a rug that's 100, 150 years old because they're made to, to last, boy. They have all of those geometric designs I'm talking about. Most of that is Islamic artistically derived or inspired from. You'll see a lot in there. and I, I really think it's, it, it's beautiful. You'll see a lot of Native American art has something similar, especially uh, a lot of the Aztec uh, art. You'll see how it's weaving in that way. It has, of course, its own religious significance about the, the sun and the sun god and maize being the corn, how it comes from all that. So you'll notice that. Um, I always found this interesting, and, and to me, and I'll tell you that right now publicly, this is a stretch, so we don't really have a lot of uh, anthropological or scientific evidence to back what I'm saying, but I've always thought... That a lot of the cave art from the uh, from the cave people, especially when they were hunting uh, woolly mammoths and everything, um, some of that could have been to them a, a sort of a, a religious, uh, you know, way of, of creating art when they did that. Because in, in a way, if you think about it, the act of putting your stuff on, getting your spear ready, going out there—I mean, you don't know if you're going to live or die. It's a battle to be thrown a spear to a, a giant animal that could stomp the hell out of you. I mean, Will mammoths. if you ever see the pictures of them, I mean, they, they were like 10 times bigger than elephants. You know, I mean, this, uh, like 12 foot tall. So and, and some dude who's like 5 foot 5 is throwing a spear at you. You know, it's like whatever. I mean, they won, obviously, and there's other times they didn't. They found broken spear bone b- inside a uh, woolly mammoth's bones uh, when they found them. you know, And they also found you know, cave guys squashed to death. So obviously uh, there's a lot of win and losses on each side of that. But that is necessary in that particular society or village for them to gain everything. Because you think about it, if you knock down one of these woolly mammoths, you got all of this hair that you could create... You know, roof sackings with you can create f- uh, clothes for your babies, for your for your woman, for yourself for for the winter. You got all those meat and bones. You can now create, uh, you know, bone arrows with it, and, all, and you can create weapons with it, and all kinds of things. That one animal gives you a whole lot of bunch of everything. So, who's to say? And again, it's my theory, but who's to say that when he puts that on the wall, it, it's like his own act of religious significance about. I'm going into a journey over here. I might not come back, but this is important for my community, so I'm doing something sacred. I'm doing something that, you know, is, is life and death meaningful. Because it was. I mean it wasn't like he could just say, Hey honey, I don't feel like killing that woman Remember today. I'm just gonna drive down to Burger King and get us a couple of whoppers. No, that's not happening. Okay. You know, and especially when you're dealing with the wintertime, it's not like you can go fishing and get a couple of fish and not have to worry about it. Damn everything's frozen. That's why more Mammoths are out there. The only thing, two two things are walking out there: wooly mammoths and cave dudes. That's it. So maybe in his own limited ancient prehistoric way, you know, that cave art from the caveman is a kind of a uh, our first uh, uh, glimpse of, you know, some kind of a sacred art. Certainly of art in general. You know what I mean? But you know, because that's all they could do is approximate the best they can. But it didn't come out too bad. But I, was, I just wondered about that, so I was like, hey, I'm going to mention that in the show. <laughs> because I thought that was, uh, you know, pretty interesting. All right, we'll do, do a quick re- recap over here, all right, just to see where we're at on all this, all right. We come to, I, I wouldn't say we come to many conclusions. We definitely come to a conclusion of anything that's religiously created. That's using artistic mediums, whether it be stained glass or paintings or even a statue, yes, it is art. Just because it has a religious subject matter doesn't doesn't invalidate it on being art. Whether that makes that person a sacred artist or not, well that's that's gonna be up to you to decide. I'm still not sure. I'm really not. Maybe that person can call themselves that. I know market wise and, and commercial wise, I've already heard that term rather than just saying I'm an artist and what do you do? Well, I do mostly religious work for churches. They don't do that. It's like, I'm a sacred artist. Here's my card. <laughs> so, you know. And I, I don't say that to mock anybody. I'm just saying that that's just the truth of how that, that's been. So, you start calling yourself a sacred artist, I guess you're going to start feeling a bit sacred. How you live with that weight, uh, how you live with that responsibility, I'm not really sure. I'm glad I'm not doing that. though. Say tell you that. <laughs> Uh, so we don't really know. It's it's really an opinion of anyone else who's listening to the show, whether they feel that is or not. Maybe they judge it by the quality of the work, the duration of the work, you know, maybe by the humility of the artists themselves. But you'll notice that a lot of these people don't even, even subject themselves to interviews, which again, I always find disconcerting. Because if you're really proud of the work you're doing, you're doing, you believe you're doing something important, but you don't want to talk about it. Just hand it over to the you know to the audience that you know is going to appreciate it. You know that's why they call it preaching to the choir. Why do you think they call it that? Because is it really a test when you preach it to the choir? No, because they are already high five in you; they agree with you. To so the rest of the world, well, that's where it's a test. So, so the rest of the world, it is an open question whether it's sacred art or whether the artists themselves are sacred. It's an open question. Okay. Is it propaganda? Yeah, I I would say that 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 is a a closer to conclusion. I don't know if propaganda is really the strongest word for it, or even the right word for it, or even the. the, I mean, because there's always negative connotations to propaganda. You know, I is I do think it's safe to say and accurate to say that uh, a lot of religious art can be considered promotional. Could be a, a message in, in the art. It's, it's safe to say because I think that is actually what's happening because, guess what? That's what the artist intended to happen. So it's going to be that way, sure. Propaganda, I don't know. Like I said, you have to be super cynical to even go with that term- terminology. But, you know, I still think that in the end, as somebody wants to really get tough about it, there's enough evidence to say that it is. You know, and uh, it's unfortunate that, you know, a, a person has to be that negative about it. Because plenty of other things out there have messages too. And this necessarily mean them make, make them bad, you know. Just because a, a commercial on your television, which has a stupid little jingle and kind of like drives you wild after a while, I'm like, oh, I hate this thing. Doesn't mean it's bad because it's talking about, you know, toothpaste or shampoo or, you know, or the drug that's supposed to help the one ailment you have, but then there's a list of 57,000 things it's going to kill you on. You know, it's 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 a message. It's a tool. You know, that's what it is. In many ways, that's a lot of this art can be. It can be a type of a tool. You know, a tool for um, a religious idea or message, possibly a dogma or an ideology. But yeah, so yeah, I think we're, we're a little closer to that. And I, I think that people who do drift towards that way or think that way. You know, they have a point that I don't really think that we can honestly ignore. Or or certainly not, uh, you know, consciously deny. That that would be silly. All right, folks, I hope you enjoyed that. I would try to, like, have a little something different here. Something interesting that I thought would be uh, useful to talk about and to think about anyway. Especially when you see something. Out there, and you're like, hmm. So now you can have you can have a little bit more thought about it. Uh, we got a lot of things coming up here in in October. I'm going to do doing a couple of uh, more uh, writing uh, type of shows. Uh, I definitely want to work on uh, uh, one of the Russian writers. I'm 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 look. I'm deciding over a couple. Might be Chekhov. I like him a lot. Um, so we'll see. But definitely stay tuned for that. And, and thank you very much for your emails that was a wonderful email show we had just uh, a, a few weeks back I'm sure we'll have another one as I'm getting some more that's coming in I'll probably get a few more about these I can imagine that <laughs> but uh I got people that are listening thankfully and I'm, and I'm happy with that and I and I really do appreciate all, all your support god bless folks and and you have a wonderful uh, time out there until we talk again chat to be human episode 249 sacred art or propaganda. Good night. Thank you for listening. Follow the show and support our efforts by visiting our sponsors at www.strengthtobehuman.com or purchasing an ebook at www.somapublishing.com.